evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Australian Herbs Culture Podcast. Tonight, I am riding solo without Jason. He's been stuck at work, but tonight we have Frizy Ernesty with us from Frizy Hoppers. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Excellent. Yourself? Very good after a few technical issues there. Glad to have got it back up and running, but yeah, that's the way it goes. Mate, what's been happening since our last chat? It seems like you've been up to a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've been pretty busy. Um, so obviously the the hopper business went live properly. Um, it's been going for about six to eight weeks off the top of my head. Um, I've been absolutely smashed. Uh, I didn't think well, – I knew it was going to go well, but, yeah, this has just exceeded my expectations. I probably need about 3,000 hoppers if you have them, mate. Send them my way. <laughs> Um, but I'm trying to I'm grow. Yeah, well, I'm trying to grow as I'm building as well. So, you know, I I always knew that was going to be a challenge, and I'm making adjustments. And look, things are are looking up. I'll be able to offer, you know, better quantity soon. So people only have to pay the freight one time and make make it a bit easier for everyone. Yeah, uh, I've just imported a heap more cages and. Yeah, I've hit the ground running as as best I can to, because I know springtime is like this. What are the, I thought winter would have backed off a little bit, but no, nah, it's gone the other way. <laughs> it's gone <laughs> the other way. Which I'm, which no, no, nah, 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 I'm super happy about it. Like it's a great, it's a great problem to have. But at the moment, I'm, I think I've got thirty one back orders that I need to fill, and I just oh. haven't been able to, I haven't been able to fill them, you know, for the last two weeks and. I'm I'm catching up, but I should probably buy, you know, within three weeks, all those orders will be filled. And and now I'm taking on new orders as of next week. So I should be, I should be pretty good. It, it's awesome to see, you know, you've put in the hard yards to, to come out with a, a product that's so desperately needed in the hobby, which is just a variety of insects essentially. And, you know, you, you're nailing down that one particular species but it's awesome to see people respond to it and give you the support and come back, you know, week after week. And obviously they want to try out the, the this new thing. And, you know, I'm one person that's definitely tried them out after you sent me a batch of them. And, you know, hell, I'm convinced they're, they're another thing to add into the arsenal as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, most definitely. And, like, uh, to actually be able to watch, you know, your lizards hunt, like I watched your Kimbo video where the Kimbo, like, arrow-dived off the rock to get one and yeah. – and, my Kimbos do the same. Like they literally, you know, do backflips and jump and, and 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 to me that's really rewarding. Watching your animals that natural behaviour where they turn into a predator and they're actually hunting. So I I know they're a great food source for enrichment as well as you know the the actual nutritional benefits of a grasshopper as well. Yeah, it was funny watching like the trigger in my Tristus's head go off because I put like maybe. I don't know, maybe half a dozen or something in that cage. And it took them a little bit to kind of figure it out. But like once they actually got a taste of the first one, they were like, oh, man. And they went searching for them after that. You know, they, they were like, what's this new thing in here? And like obviously I was tongue feeding them just to try to make sure I was getting like shots for content and stuff as well. But, yeah, at some stage, maybe when you got less back orders or whatever, whatever I'll have to place an order. And as you said and you suggested, you know, just dump a whole bunch into an enclosure and just watch them go nuts for it. Yeah, well, that's that's where I've got to, like, you know, with my gillens and my kimbos and that, I sort of grab a handful, you know, dust them up and then throw them in and just 
just stand back and watch because I think that's the best way to do it. Um, yeah. You know, watching them chase around and, and especially if you've got a pair in there because, like, it's funny, my male Kimbo, he will actually let the female get, like, he'll get one and he'll just sit on that one while she's had, you know, three or four and then he knows he can eat again. It's pretty funny how they work. I wonder what that is. I wonder if that's just the hierarchy that they've worked out between those two that, you know, she's kind of maybe she just gets a bit more cream of the crop. Maybe he knows that he's he, she needs it a bit more than he does. Who knows? No, I think if he wants a good Friday night, he'll let her eat. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Very true. So you're looking to expand, obviously? Yeah, yeah. Um, going through the so the the second expansion now, and looking for a building as such yep. to to take it to that next level, and also segregate it from the reptiles as well. Um, you know, grasshoppers require specific requirements that you know can sort of clash with reptiles. So um, they're great in small volume in a reptile room, but when you've got mad volumes in a reptile room, you probably have to look at, you know, uh, getting something done about that. So I was looking at, um, you know, those Hatco crib up buildings and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 40-foot buildings, you pick them up for around about 20 grand. They're, you know, pretty reasonable and they, 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 they'd be a great little facility for them. Um, but now I've decided that I might as well go bigger and do it once and do it right. Well, I mean, if the market's there and you know it's going to be, you know, a, a, an investment on yourself and obviously, you know, if you're going to have the clientele keep coming back, then why not? Yeah, you yeah. Know. And the other side of it as well is but doing it, you know, from, from home, um, you know, it's, it's great, but you might as well have a building that, you know, even if you're not doing it anymore, that, that adds value as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is a, it is a pretty extensive kind of job anyway, isn't it? It's not like it's just – it's not like a roach yeah, colony. No, nah, it's not. No, nah, it's not set and forget. You don't get to do that with grasshoppers. Um, they, they, people don't realise they do require a lot of work and, you know, they eat a lot of food as well, like a copious amount of food. Um, mm. So, yeah, you just – you just have to find that balance and get it right. And yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I'm really, really happy and confident with where this is trending. And yeah, I'm, I'm super thankful to the people like yourself and um, Tyson over at Doc Merton and, you know, like uh, Aaron Hopper and um, Scotty Kickham and people like that who have, you know, really supported me, Lockie Harris, and, and got me going. And, and, that, and they consistently show up, you know, every week, fortnight, month, whatever it is that I can supply, um, which is really, really good. And, and and like I say, their animals are getting the direct benefits of, you know, what I do. So yeah. that's pretty rewarding for me. There's nothing better for me to sit down and, you know, log into Fryzy's Hoppers and then, you know, there's a prasinus eating one of my grasshoppers or, or there's a, a wheeler eye or, a, you know, gillens or, you know, just it just blows my mind. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to see how it's going. I know that um, after I posted that video, my inbox got absolutely flooded with people going, hey, where can I grab these and stuff? Because obviously you've kind of just uh, tested the waters on Instagram at the moment yeah. as kind of like yeah. your main sort of place for people to place orders with you. Um, yeah. But on the cards in the near future, I dare say you'll probably have a website and stuff. 
Yeah, so yeah, yeah, most definitely. That's that's ideally the way this is trending and how it's going to go. I sort of didn't jump in and do the website straight away. Um, I wanted to sort of test the market to see how good it was and if this was going to be sustainable. And now I know it is. Well, that's obviously the next step as part of the building process. Um, I have been playing with the idea of you know, rather than a website, trying to make it more user-friendly with like an app, a Rises Hopper app or something like that, where you can have it on your phone, you can just log in, punch in your order and it's done. I get the, the SMS through the app. I know exactly what you need, what you require, or I can tell you a rough arrival date like that. Um, you know, as technology is trending, um, websites are great. Don't get me wrong, they're fantastic. But, you know, I like to do things a little bit differently and I have been looking at maybe going down that road. Yeah, cool. I mean, it's definitely unique and there's no reason why it wouldn't work, you know. Everyone's got a million yep. apps on their phones anyway, so. That's right. What's one more directly for your hoppers? Exactly. Don't even have to search it. you just got your, your app right there. Yep. Oh, wicked. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely... Definitely keen, probably not so much now because most of my stuff shut down, but definitely keen come summer to really pump these guys up on them, hopefully, as long as, as it all goes well. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be keen to see some differences with, you know, a breeding season under the belt with them with some actual good big grasshoppers in them versus crickets and roaches and stuff like that. So yep. it'd be cool yep. to kind of have a comparison. Yeah, I, I, I can't understand that they're uh... – you know, like I know that they're expensive and they're sometimes food. I get it at the moment, um, but there's no one else doing this. You know, like there's no one else, there's no one else playing in this space. So kind of that was what I worked out to. You know, by the time I get them out the door, you know, I worked out the cost and the rest of it, and thought for this to be feasible, that's the that's where I landed. And look, I'm pretty happy with the price point that they're at at the moment, and I have no doubt that. You know, you never know in 12 months' time when I'm producing, you know, mass volume, like bigger volumes than what I'm doing now, um, I'd be pretty confident to say that there's no reason why the price can't come down. But at the moment, you know, I've got a lot to grow and the supply is huge at the moment. So I'll just and, – and the demand is outweighs the supply. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and trying to yeah. keep everyone happy in the hobby. I mean, I haven't even, like, I've had that many pet shops reach out to me. I've had zoos reach out to me. And, you know, I'll be just flat out honest. I haven't even got to them yet. You know, yeah. it's not even a case of I don't want to. It's I just haven't been able to. Yeah. And like I kind of alluded to a bit earlier too, like they're not a they're not a roach colony. They're not a set and forget easy thing that you can kind of do. Like you're actually pouring money into breeding these things. So it's not like it's you know, a carrot a week or something like that. It's a lot more than that. Yep, most definitely. Yeah. Well, regardless, I think they're going to be a mainstay here. So, um, yeah, super excited to see this just kind of watch and develop and, and grow from where it has. And, you know, it's awesome to just know that you got the backing of the reptile community behind you too and a lot of interest. Yeah, m- most definitely. And I'm super thankful for all my customers, my future customers and the reptile hobby for supporting this. Um I will say this, that, you know, like, you know, you run a cricket colony or a couple of woody colonies and you'd be lucky to, I don't know, maybe maybe use a kilo of food a year. Um, with the hoppers at the moment, I'm going through roughly 25 kilo a week of just leafy greens. That doesn't include any other vegetables. 
Jeez. That's just leafy greens. Yeah, wow. So that doesn't include the stuff that I put in, you know, for treats and stuff like that or any other vegetable. It is just, just at the moment, just the weight on the leafy greens is 25 kilo a week. Yeah. And that's not cheap. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, awesome. But did you have any um, anything else about the hoppers you wanted to bring up before we actually get into the meat and potatoes of a bit of reptile talk? Uh, yeah, look, like I say to people, you know, I've been doing this now for, you know, two plus years on the hoppers. You know, I've bred multiple species of hopper. Uh, you know, people don't realise that, you know, the, the work that I've done with these grasshoppers is quite extensive for, like, the insect world is is unbelievable. And, and there's a lot of unknown because there's so many species of so many different bugs. Like, it is ridiculous. And mm. half the grasshopper species, you know, in the area where I'm from, aren't even described. They've just got a number. That's it. Oh, wow. They've just, they're just got a number. So, like, it's... I, I weaned out from the, I think there were seven species I was breeding. I weaned them out for the reasons of, you know, they weren't going to suit the reptile market. They took too long to grow. They weren't big enough. You know, they 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 needed a more varied diet than what the ones I've got. Um, and I, I worked it down to this particular hopper, which is an Australian native and it's a grasshopper too, um, the giant grasshopper. And I am super happy with, every aspect of this grasshopper for the for the feeder trade. Oh, that's pretty So good. a lot of work's gone into this grasshopper, and I get a lot of people message me going, hey, I want to breed grasshoppers and stuff like that. And it's all I'm going to say to people out there is uh, I'm super thankful for anyone that messages me and stuff like that. But it's taken me, you know, over two years of hard work to get to this point. Um, I'll say to people, if you want to breed grasshoppers, do what I did, do your research, you know. Yeah. Do your research. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, definitely a fair call. Uh, and, you know, we've kind of talked off off air about a bit of the stuff that you kind of get up to with it and that, and I can definitely say yep. <laughs> it's way too much work for me. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't be giving and it like, a crack myself. Yeah, and like I say, you know, it's not for everyone. It's like cricket breeding. I, I, you yeah. know, I breed enough crickets when it comes, you know, baby dragon season and, yeah, by the end of the season, I'm ready to throw them out and not do crickets yeah. ever again. Um, look, grasshoppers are, are different because they they don't smell, so that's the winner. They don't smell at all. They have zero smell, and um, they don't make noise, which is mm. another huge plus. The only time they make noise is when a male's trying to mate a female and he flicks his legs. That's the only time. Hmm. That's, that's the only noise you get out of them. I actually felt bad kind of feeding them off to a few of the animals. Some of those grasshoppers were bloody stunners. Like yeah, just the colours know, and the patterns on them. You know, I've, I, um, I've had a couple of people message me recently saying, I feel terrible for feeding these off. I now want to keep them as pets, which is hilarious because I'll be honest, I've been a reptile guy my whole life and a bug's a bug. So a bug is basically yeah. reptile food. doesn't matter what colour or, you know, size it comes in, a lizard can eat it. Um, but even I get, even I get some of these grasshoppers, and I'm like, wow, that one's really different. Maybe I should try and line breed them ones, you know. Color. But you got to realise that you know, like crickets and everything else, and grasshoppers are you know pretty, you know, they live in a 
pretty decent environment and they hatch out and they're all different colours because of the environment that they live in. And, you know, some take green, yellow, brown, black, you know, all different colours and varieties. Um, generally, it's the same grasshopper, same species at the end of the day, you know. Or I haven't done enough work to go blacks make blacks or anything like that. But, yeah, at the end of the day, they're, they're just a grasshopper and you get some stunning individuals. Yeah, yeah, some of them were. They change a bit, though, as they age, I'm assuming, going off that, that large one that you sent me being like quite a bit more grey. Yeah, they all go brown. Yep, they yeah. all go brown. Yep, they all go brown. And the, the the species, so the same species in Queensland, northern New South Wales, you know, northern Victoria across the WA and, you know, the Territory, um, you know, further north they're a lot lighter than the, the southern form which makes a lot of sense because um, it's always warm and tropical up there. So, yeah, uh, look, to be honest, I'd love, you know, multiple types of grasshoppers, not just the ones I'm working with now, but um, I'm still waiting for all my friends to send me a couple of batches so I can get them going. We'll see how we yeah. go with that. Oh, cool. <laughs> Add into it. All right, mate, well, let's, let's – um... Move on from the grasshoppers for a tick and let's talk about how your breeding season went this year. Uh, yeah, I probably had one of the best seasons I reckon I've ever had. I mean, I had an absolute oh, bull terror last year, um, but I had a few, you know, shit runs with certain species. This year, out of all the reptiles I had, three snakes didn't breed out of everything I had, just three animals in my whole reptile room. So it was a. Jesus. Pretty stellar season, and believe it or not, like I know it sounds absolutely fucking stupid, but the three species that didn't breed was a stimmy, which I just don't know what went wrong with her, uh, and two carpets, which yeah, I'm kind of scratching my head with because uh, I generally produce them every year I play with them, and uh, yeah, this year wasn't a V, so back to the drawing board for those ones. <laughs> Have you bred those particular animals in the past? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every generally every year they punch out a clutch. I do rest some of the Anna Theresia girls, and you know the carpets are uh, just just by default this year. Had I just got a clutch of slugs out of one girl, um, yeah. you know, which she had twenty four fertile eggs last year. So, you know, I did change the male, so it could be him. Um, and the other carpet did everything right, but didn't do nothing. So, yeah, I'm guessing I'd. Pulled the boy a little bit too early. Probably got, you know, a little bit over anxious and pulled him too early, and was like, "Oh shit!" So, but that, that's breed. You can't breed everything. You probably won't no. breed everything. But I gave it a good knock. Yeah, well, it's not too bad if you only missed three clutches out of what you got down there. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty happy with it. Like I ended up, you know, stack of Anna Theresia babies, and it's probably some of the best Anna Theresia I've ever bred. So I was really happy with them. Um, the monitors knocked it out of the park. The Kimberley Rock monitors just she just paved the way. Um, she's done an awesome job. The uh, the Brevi Quarter did a great job as well. Um, the Brevis did a great job, so I was really happy with them as well. So yeah, no, I was pretty stoked with how the season went. Punched out a heap of their little babies, which are baby monitors are so cute. They're, yeah, they're hard, you know, I'll say this. I said, I'll say this, I've bred a lot of reptiles in my life and baby monitors are the hardest ones to sell. Yeah. They I are the hardest so ones much, to sell. They're so cute and they've got so much personality for such a small lizard. Yeah, they do. They do. It's uh, it's ridiculous at um, how hard it is to, 
you know, make that sale. You've got to convince yourself in your own head, oh, well, you know, oh, I might get another clutch or something, or you have a clutch and then you can sell them. So it's like, you know, it's pretty funny how it all works. I've got a couple of tristes at the moment that I haven't even advertised because I'm just like, you know what, I might keep them back. I might like getting sucked in myself and I'm like, you know, I know, I know I've got another clutch coming, but at the same time I'm like, ah, surely I can find room for two more lizards. It's it's pretty funny, you know, like the way we live our lives, you know, our lives essentially evolve around reptiles. Every decision we make is reptile based. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's hilarious. Like people don't realise you go to the shops and you're in the Tupperware aisle and you're looking for incubation containers or water bowls or <laughs> you know, you your wife just wants you out of the fucking shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're looking at anywhere like that, hey, like Bunnings is a trap. Like, like oh, sort of landscaping oh, places a trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel you there. I feel you there. <laughs> for sure. For yeah. sure. But yeah, no, they, I was pretty happy with the season I had, mate. It was probably one of the best I've ever had. Um, what, what, what would you reckon was like your biggest success this season? Uh, the Kimberley Rocks. That was personal. Um, yeah. You know, I had a pretty rough run with them the season before. Um, I was getting eggs. I was just not hatching them. It was the same old story as every other breeder. They just, I don't know, for some unknown reason, they weren't hatching. Um, I started, you know, feeding grasshoppers as a staple instead of just an every now and then food. And the fertility's been just out of control. You know, on, on the brevies as well, like even, and, and it's funny, like, because the brevies, they like grasshoppers because they just, Brevies are like pit bulls. They just kill any bug. If they don't even want to eat it, they'll just kill it. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, but the grasshoppers, they're not super fans on on, on like the grasshoppers, and I will take the, the, the pointy bits off the back legs of the grasshopper because they've got spines yeah. on their back legs. I don't do it for anything else. I only do it for the brevies. Um, and like I say, one female had seven fertile eggs, you know, two clutches, and they were, <sighs> you know, that was, that was the first time she'd ever bred. Um, and it's just, yeah, I can definitely say that that's been a game changer for my goannas for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and the other side of it as well is that, like, my uh, Kimberly Rock Monitor was a fussy feeder. She was one of the worst lizards I ever owned. And until I changed her to grasshoppers and now she she just basically exclusively eats grasshoppers and a bit of, you know, bit of, bit of egg every now and then to the booster. Um, but it's just ridiculous. She's just a different animal now. She's mm. a different animal. And I recently got, like, I've got, you know, a couple of pairs of brevi, and I had one that was, you know, just a little bit thin, wasn't my animal, um, and, mate, it's bounced back like you wouldn't believe, just off a couple of grasshoppers, you know, just pull the, the spiny legs off and chuck them in, and, 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 mate, the animal looks sensational now. That's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's it crazy is. just what little triggers can change animals. You know, obviously different nutrition and stuff involved with it. So, yeah. It's- well, the other side of it as well is like all the, the ex-breeders that are on the way out or, you know, passing, I feed them to my blue tongues. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right? I feed them to my blue tongues. And, like, even if they're like, – like, say, for example, you know, a grasshopper lasts – you know, in my conditions, eight months, sometimes 12 months, you know, depending. And, like, you know, you, they look pretty ratty when they're getting a bit old, but the blue tongues don't care. And 
mate, the Blue Tongues, they only get a few, but, geez, they're in good nick. <laughs> I, it, I, I think people make the mistake of overfeeding every reptile in captive trade. That's, you know, I'm a firm believer in our animals are just generally too big. Oh, 100%. Uh, it's, it's a trap. I think it's a big trap. You know, you hear people feeding big rats to carpet pythons weekly and stuff like that, and it, it just does your head in sometimes, I think. It's, you're just going, man, what does that snake look like? You know, it's got to be, like, just so rotund if it's eating yeah. big things. It's And it goes for anything. I've seen plenty of fat goannas out there, like dwarf goannas and stuff. I, I, yep. I've, I've fallen in the pitfall where I've, you know, been trying to feed up females myself and, you know, males come down and grab whatever because you're not watching or something like that and then all of a sudden you've got a bit of a chunky male. But then, you know, I find that you just need to almost starve a few animals just to make sure yep. they're actually getting skinny again. Yeah, just turn them off. And, you know, yeah. like it's 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 almost a natural response, you know, to, to dealing with obesity in reptiles is just, just turn them off. I mean, mm. they, they just quieten down. You know, they they lose the fat fairly quickly too, you know. Like I had a brevy male that was probably on the bigger side. Um, mate, I just turned him off for three weeks and he he lost all that condition really quickly and he's great now. Like he's a sensational lizard. Yeah. Just got to watch him because he's one of them ones that will eat every bug in the cage before she gets them. Yeah. God, they're pains in the ass like that, aren't they? They are. They are. <laughs> I, I've they got a, are. a couple of Gillen's males that are like that where, you know, I've almost got to make sure that he runs down for a bug so I can hold him in a hand so that I can throw in bugs for the other girls or whatever to eat. And he's sitting there squirming, looking at the bugs. I'm like, no, nah, mate, they're not yours. <laughs> well, the, the beauty with the brevy is you just put a plastic container in the cage over the top of the brevy. <laughs> it's got holes in it. And you yeah. just chuck your bugs in. You make sure she's had four or five, and then you can just pull the container off, and he'll go and you know grab one or two what's left. You know, <laughs> so much yeah. easier. They, they, it's just yeah, it's just easy. I've got a container with holes in it that I use for like hatching and a teresia, and you know it's heavy enough that he, he can't actually push it around the cage. Um, <laughs> and you just sit it over the top of him, and yeah, it sort of separates him from her. Is it transparent so you can see her hunting? Oh yeah, he's not happy about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 he, he's not happy about it, but he knows he's going to get fed, so he's he's pretty good. But yeah. like, he literally would eat whatever I put in there. He'd eat the whole lot and leave yeah, her with okay. nothing. So, and and the, the other side as well is he's a he's a bit of a shithead because he's a bit of an aggressive feeder. And the thing I don't like about like monitors, you know, when they grab the same bug, oh, it's just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Especially you know, if they grab each other on the mouth or something like that and then well, they're that's, tugging on each other's faces. And, yeah. yeah, or legs or fingers, and that's generally how they lose toes and, you know, they bite each other's faces and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I don't have a problem with the Kimberley Rocks because they're, they're actually pretty good. You know, the youngsters generally grab the same cricket every now and then or something like that will happen, you know. Um, yeah. But the, the brevies, yeah, you just have to you sort of have to throw – a couple in and a couple up the other side like you do with your gillens so that, like, you go eat them ones and you go eat them ones. And nine times out of ten, they both run to the same bug anyway. Yeah. Well, just I, I just to give to, you the shits. <laughs> I, I tend to find that my hatchlings are the worst at that 
because they're just yep. so like food responsive, movement responsive yep. and everything. Whereas I find the adults yep. are a little bit more switched on where they're kind of a little bit like, oh, that's a lizard, not a bug. But yep. yeah, I don't, I don't think what with between my, my Tristus and my Gillens, I don't think I've had that issue with the adults. It's more just their hatches. Yep. Uh, can't speak for Kimbo's because I've only got the one. But yeah. Yep. Uh, Soon to get easy. another. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to get another one. Another one, definitely. See if I can get a boy for her. One day when my pockets are a bit deeper. Um, so how are the brevies actually doing? Like we never really actually touched on how they're set up with your, your setup. I was kind of listening to our previous podcast before and we kind of skimmed across that, I reckon, a little bit. So do you want to just run us yep. through how you've actually got their enclosures set up? Yeah, so I run mine in – so I used to run them in like 800 by 800 by 450 highs. Um, now I run them in the 1200. I just want to give them a little bit longer floor space. I mean, the 800s are good. They heat up real well, um, which, you know, the, the beauty for brevies is you've got to keep them hot. Like they are just, they just love the heat. So I've got them in 12s by 450s by 600s. So 600 wide, 1200 long, 450 high. Um, just got a 75 watt basket light in there. And then obviously a T5 Arcadia 6% UV. Mm-hmm. I pretty much keep a reader stack under the under the uh, basking light, but it only goes too high with a little ceramic, you know, those um, things that go under plants, the ceramic yeah, pot like holders, the pot they hold the pots. Yep, 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 them, yep, them. I've got a few of them broken throughout the cage so they've got, you know, other areas that they can sort of duck down into. And, and I've only got, on that cage, I've only got three vents. That's it three vents so it just holds the heat really really well yeah, right. um and yeah i just i run them like that and then come winter i just turn them off like i'll leave the uv on for say two or three weeks but if i'm getting no like if no one's coming out to to look around or whatever that goes off as well yeah and then you know sort of four to six weeks later i turn it back on i'll turn the uv on for a week just to sort of you know, wake them up and then yeah, turn the heat on and and by that time, like I pretty much, I pretty much bring my monitors on the same time as I bring my blue tongues and I bring my pythons and you know it's all connected. Um, other people do it differently because they might have you know other species, but I sort of fire my blue tongues up in you know June July to to wake them up, mm-hmm. like sort of you know end of end of June, start of July, and start cycling the bluey. So they're getting like, you know, 24-degree daytime temperatures in, in July. Yep. Um, and, and the thing is, with, with all the monitor lights on, you don't have to do too much, and they're all ready to go anyway. And, and yeah, the monitors sort of start cycling uh, end of July, sort of early August. You're starting to see, you know, either clutches or action. And, and then, yeah, yep. they, you know, I was lucky enough to repeat you know, the brevies a couple of times and the Kimbo's, you know, a stack of times. And, and yeah, I, you know, like I probably haven't turned my incubator off in after this season. It'll be nearly two years. It just hasn't been switched wow. off. So it's always, it's always got eggs in it. So it's a, it's a good problem to have and I'm pretty happy. Yeah. I'm pretty happy. And, and you know, like I don't push these animals. They, they kind of do it themselves. I mean, the, the ambient room temperature would be cool enough that, they don't have to do anything. But yeah. we had this late run of heat 
which just triggered everything. Like we had a week of 30 and it just, everything just woke up and went, right, let's go again. So even up here, it was pretty warm for a while and all of a sudden it was kind of like, what, maybe mid-March or something like that, just all of a sudden it dropped off. I was just like, nah, done now. But it was like, that that was pretty late. I felt to still be getting kind of really hot temperatures up here. I it was really 31 here yesterday. Oh, that's hot. Yeah, yeah it was 31 like here yesterday. 22 or something today, so it wasn't that. Yeah, bad. no, it was 31 here yesterday. So, the, you know, you know what goannas are like. You know, if it's hot and it's warm, they come out, they get a feed and do what they yeah. do. And like I even said to a mate a week ago, the brevy males were trying the females again. Like – that week of heat just triggered them, you know, to go nuts, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll see if that comes of anything. Um, you know, and I'll know because the girls will be, you know, starting to dig around, scratch around and whatnot. And Yeah, I was looking at one yesterday thinking, hmm, are you? Oh, maybe. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'll just leave their temps on. Like everything will be left on just to make sure that, you know, there's nothing worse than turning the lights off and you've got a gravid lizard. You're just going to cause yourself yeah. issues. So I'll just sacrifice that that extra four weeks and just, yeah, leave the lights on and go from there. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're vigilant on your lizards, which you are, you know, you'll be able to yeah. tell whether it's needed or not or if she drops a clutch, then, you know, after that you'll probably be able to turn it off for a bit. Um, yeah, well, it's more problematic. It's more problematic, you know, Female reptiles, you know, going into colder climates with, you know, eggs in their belly, that just spells yeah. disaster. So, yeah. you know, if you have to leave the lights on for three more weeks to make sure that, you know, there's nothing in her, then so be it. Yeah, that's not the end of the world. No, not at all. Yeah. So I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball question your way, which I don't know if you read through them. You must have read through them, I'm sure. But um, you kept a lot of knobtails in the past. So I just wanted to see, like, Obviously, coming from the past where I'm assuming that you would have been keeping a lot of those knobbies in probably like rack setups and pretty simple and stuff like that. Yep. And yep. nowadays, you kind of go towards or you lean towards kind of like your more naturalistic setups and such. How yep. would you go about keeping uh, Nephorus Aspa uh, nowadays compared to in the past? Well, I had Amy up until a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, you got rid of him? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, it, was a, it was a hard decision. It yeah. definitely was. Um, basically, the the animals I had were pensioners. Uh, they, you know, had a good run, and um, I lost one of the females, and then you know I ended up with you know just a spare female, and you know to me I wasn't going to go through the rigmarole of getting another male, and you know like I, I still thoroughly enjoy them, but you know with the grasshopper business taken off the way it has, you know yeah. I've I've basically you know, cut back sort of 60% of my reptiles. So I run way less animals now than I ever have. Um, and I I basically got rid of, like, I don't have anything in tub racks except for, like, I winter my blueies in tub racks. I definitely do. Um, they live outside most of the year. Um, but I do winter them in tub racks just because I've got more control over it and I like to have mm-hmm. that, that level of control. Um, and Anna Teresa in tub racks. Um, but I would keep Asper in – I really am digging on the Reptile 1 900s, those cages, yep. and I would put like a rock wall in it uh, and I would keep them with, you know, like uh, those little 
25 watt heat globes through yeah. the day. And then I would also supplement the heat of a nighttime with like a nighttime globe so you can go in and watch them. One thing I'm getting back to, like you said, is more natural cages where you, I, I really like to go out there and sit in front of the Kimbo cage for a good hour. And like yeah. an hour goes like that. People don't realize how quick it goes. Like you just, yeah, I'm kind of getting back to that. And, and I fucking love it. Like I, I'm kind of kicking myself. I, you know, tried to, tried to keep out of convenience for a lot of the years. And now I've just had all brand new cages built. Um, they'll be here on the 7th of May. Um, shout out to Dan Marshall, your legend. And uh, yeah, my Kimbo's are going into 1600s by 1200s by 800s. Awesome. So yeah, there's two of them. I've got two of them built for two pairs of Kimbo's. Um, I've got the universal rock wall as well. That'll go up the back of them. And then I'll, I'll probably holler at you just for the two sidewall prints. Oh yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm thinking that's where the vents are going to be on the sidewall, and then in the front, obviously. So it kind of makes sense because the thing, like, I love the Universal Rock backgrounds; they're the best ever. But they kind of, you know, they're not vent friendly. No, (laughs) they're not. So yeah, so yeah, Um, so yeah. That that's that's the way I'm going to go with them, and then obviously I'll get you to like print the Gillens as well. I'll do the Gillen cages as well. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I should be pretty good after that. Um, and it would be just – it's just nice to be able to walk in and have – like I've seen your monitor corner and I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. I'll be able to just have one wall of monitors, which I'll be stoked with, like really, really stoked yeah. with. So you've got other cages again for that wall then, I'm assuming, apart from just the just the um, Kimbo cages. You've got – what, your brevies and yeah. your Gillens going in there too. So what yeah, sort of size so cages are those guys going into? So the Gillens are going into 800 cubes. Oh, wicked, yeah. Yeah, so they're 800 cubes. Um, I've kept Gillens plenty in the past before and, you know, been pretty successful with them a long time ago. And um, I actually had the most success in a – I had a oh, – get this, it was a glass tank. It was built by like a local reptile supplier back in the day. Thing weighed fucking two tonnes. It was a glass tank, right, and it was six mil glass. So it was the big stuff, and it was three foot by three foot high by three foot wide. Yeah, right. Right, and it was like it was a nightmare to move. Like it was just, you know, every time you carried the bus, you had four blokes under it. Yeah. Um, but the Gillens did so well in that, and I just thought, well. You know, the 1600s, 800 by 800 is exactly the size of that 16, so that works. So I just went, you know, that's the only convenience I brought into those cages, but because I thought, well, they're going to have heaps of room, heaps of logs, and then, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll snazz them up and make it look decent. So, yeah. Oh, wicked. Oh, that'll be cool. I can't wait to see this wall all built. Yeah, yeah. So so it'll be, you know, like I – I get everything on May the 7th and then it'll probably take me, you know, two or three weeks to start decking them out. And my plan is so I don't, you know, uh, overwhelm myself because that's easy to do as a reptile keeper when you've got a heap <laughs> of cages to do is I'm just going to get a couple done at a time, put them in there, yeah. get the next couple done, put them in there. So I'm not like – at the moment everything's in, you know, really good cages and we're coming into winter. So, the, the you know, I've got a bit of time on my side to get them done essentially. 
yeah, there's no time to be moving them, you know, from where they are now into something new. That's a spring issue. And at least you kind of yeah. got winter on your side to be able to tinker around and have a bit more yep. time up your sleeve to do it at your pace. That's right. That's, um, yep. that, that's what I found recently myself, finally pulling my finger out. I was able to complete my synthesis tank this week and I'm going to start on my roughy tank maybe in the next week or two as well. Yeah, well, I would probably still have Asper if they were easy to get, but they're not easy to get anymore. Like, there's not heaps of breeders around, and that makes no. it, you know, it makes it really difficult. And like, I, I, I still want the banded Asper. Like, I, you know, I was one of the, I had the original banded Asper back in the day. So, you know, there's kind of unfinished business with that animal. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's just another one of them things. But uh, yeah, I, look, to be honest. Uh, once I get the right balance and, you know, I'm happy, like I, I just added the Epsilolises, the, the Pilbara pygmies, and, and they're great animals. Like, they're fantastic. And they're going to go into an 800 cube as well, but I'm going to do like a rock wall for them so that they can, you know, just have a bit more of a vertical playground. Um, yeah. yeah, because well, it's a, I, I, it's a species, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I like – where I've got them now, I've got them in one of the, the Reptile One Nine Hundreds, and they like they only come out when the lights go off, <laughs> or when I'm <laughs> feeding them. That's it. That's the only time I see them. So I'm thinking if I can get them in an eight hundred cube, get them comfortable, let them settle in. Hopefully, it'll result in a couple of bubs. You know. Yeah, oh, that'd be cool to see though, especially you know a really big, nice tank with them in there, and it's a beautiful red rock to kind of match that that skin color on them. That'd look fantastic, yep. I reckon. Yeah, most definitely. So I'm pretty keen to get them into one of the 800s as well. Yeah, I know it was a bit of a random question about the Asper. I just know, know of a friend that's potentially secured some, so I thought, oh, maybe I'll get Fryzy's take on it as well, just where, what, he, what he'd do for it. Um, They're great yeah. animals. They're my favourite. Like, Asper are my favourite knobby, hands down. Like, they are just – they were where it started for me. I read the, you know, the old cog of the Bible and I opened the page and there was that Asper from Rockhampton and I was just like, holy fuck, I'm sold. Yeah, you need that. You know, and, and, and then I reckon I rang every single person in the reptile hobby. Rob Porter, if you're listening, I apologise for all them years um, and hounded the shit out of him until I got him. <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. So you recently went on a trip um, over to WA as well for a bit of a herp trip. How'd that end up yeah. going for you? Yeah, it was excellent. Um, so basically um, my lad had just finished year 12 school and uh, we were sort of sitting around, um, you know, trying to work out what he wanted to do next. And, you know, uh, a mate of mine, Scotty Ryan in the West, messaged me and said, you know, we like originally we were going to go over in February, but there was still, um, you know, not, not COVID issues, but there were still issues with, shit in the border and the rest of it and yeah you know, they were they were on and out and then yeah he messaged me and said oh you know we're going to go over at this time and i thought well hey man i'm you know i can take time off work i was like you know i could take time off and i said hey you know do you mind if me and my lad come and you know he said fuck yeah you know let's do it so yeah. it kind of worked out well because uh went over with um maddie manning tyler mckay and and Scotty Ryan and, and Maddie's lad, Jacob, and my boy, Lockie, and it was fucking brilliant. Like, it was, like, so good. You know, to hurt another state is just – it's the best because, you know, you hurt your own state and you take for granted 
the shit you see all the time, you know, like sleepy little mm. blue tongues, you know, beady dragons, you know, and where I live, they're, you know, really common. So to go over there and see, you know, some of the species we've seen and the numbers we've seen them, it was fucking ridiculous. So we we started in Perth, obviously, shot up to, you know, along the coast there, um, found a heap of Pagona uh, Minor, so beady dragons, the western beaties, nice. the little the little ones, which, ones. you know, to me, they were pretty cool because, you know, I'm used to seeing the big, you know, bitterceps, big inland, uh, and, you know, you're finding these little beaties and they're adults and, you know, they're like Henry Lawson, so to speak. They're, yeah, they're probably they're probably smaller than Henry Lawson, realistically, uh, but they were awesome to find. Uh, and we found uh, Strophorus Strophorus, which was pretty cool. Nice. Um, I get, you know, intermediates and stuff like that here, which is, you know, pretty cool. But to see another one in another state, it was like you're just seeing their relatives. It's so cool. Um, then we punched on further up to the Murchison and, uh, you know, we were finding things like Depressor and Cordolineatus, so striped tail mm. monitors, um, in really good numbers, like, and, you know, just the habitat is just, there's nothing there. Like, there's nothing yeah. there. I mean, I sent you a video of the habitat. I'll post it on my story yeah. on Instagram. Like, you just, you look at it and you just think, what would live here? Yeah. This is- and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, Western netteds, you know, uh, they were, they were fucking everywhere. They were just, and they were, it was so nice to see because, like, I drove up to Alice a few times and, you know, out back South Australia and seeing, you know, central netteds, which are one of my favourite dragons. But to see a western netted, you know, in its natural habitat, that was that was cool. That was like I was I was pumped. I was pumped. It's kind of cool when you can find like a – like I was kind of talking to you, I think, before we, we hit record. It's like, yeah. you know, as you say, like the kind of cousins, you know, for, for different species and stuff like that where you have, you know, your westerns and your, your centrals and stuff like that. Like one of my big targets last year was to see a few strofts and I managed to tick off three strofts in a year, three different species, and I was like, that was like a big achievement for me. But it was so cool yeah. just to see the individual species and go, oh, wow, you know, they really are so so much the same but so different. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And, like, you know, to see, like, we didn't we didn't get much gecko activity because, um, you know, we were so going up to the Murchison region, the roads were all gone. Like, they were just washed away. Like, the bitumen was gone. So the roads that they had made were like graders that had just sort of pushed a track. Um, And, you know, obviously when they had those mass floods, they're still – like, that. the road's going to take another, you know, two or three years to fix going all the way back up that way. So when we finally got up to Murchison – Basically, we found out all the roads were closed and, you know, there was a good reason why the roads were closed. We were driving through, you know, mud and water for a fair old fucking whack of the drive and <laughs> and uh, we didn't realise but all the road signs because they'd been sitting in water for so long had fallen backwards into the into the mud and water. Uh-huh. So you don't actually know and, yeah, it was uh, – and, yeah, we had to sort of head home early because they were getting another big rainstorm and we probably wouldn't have got that dirt road out. You know, realistically, yeah, right. it probably would have been underwater, but um, it was cool to see, you know, seeing some frogs up there as well. Um, you know, and where I'm from, there's not a great deal of frogs. So, 
you know, just just seeing different stuff is just it's just awesome, man. Like, even just seeing like black cockies and you know, mm. it, it's just excellent, just really good. And the weather was for the first two days, nearly th- probably three days, was perfect. It was you know, 30, 32, 33 degrees and just perfect. Yeah. No it, wind. Do you find that it kind of almost like rejuvenates your love for the hobby and stuff as well in, yep. in like some 100%. aspects? Because it's kind of just 100%. like a yep. it's a relaxing thing, but it's also something that's reptile related that kind of just, yep. yeah, I find it's really recharging. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it also gives you kick up the backside saying you can do better for your reptiles. It's just that simple. Yeah. You know, we all think we have these things worked out. You know, we might have them dialed in or you know, dialed into captive keeping and stuff like that, but you can always do better. You know, like yeah. I'm a firm believer in if you've got the space, give it the space. I do understand that, you know, when you're building, like, you, you know, I've heard you talk about this walking Gillen's enclosure <laughs> that many times, um, which would be, Absolutely amazing. It'd be a fucking nightmare to heat. I'm not going to lie. It'll probably no, run you a crap. bigger power bill. That one room would run you a bigger power bill than the, all your reptiles. Yep. Um, but, you know, if you want it, you'll just do it. And, you know, I, I made the decision that, so for my enclosures this year, I swapped a heap of babies, like high-end baby anatheresia, just to get them done. And it was the best thing I ever did because, you know, it took all the stress out of building. It took all the time I didn't have. And someone else did it for me and did a fucking great job, which I'm super pumped with. And yeah, man, I'm I'm just I'm happy it's done. I've still got to yeah. put beds and you know put the lights and shit in and you know dial them in, which you know that that's great. But I have a new appreciation for some of the stuff I can throw in enclosures. Like we always chuck logs and shit in and go, oh, what if they don't come out? You know, well, if they can get in nine times out of ten, they can get out. Mm. You know, and I, and I let my staff be as cryptic as it wants nowadays. I mean, you know, I like to see the stuff like every other keeper. I'm one of them people. But, you know, like over time, everything gets used to how it's been kept and, you know, provided the right enclosure. You know, like my baby Kimbo's the last ones I got out. You know, I opened the cage and they come out and they don't mind a little chin rub. And, you know, that's just – you can't take that away. That's just brilliant. Yeah. yeah it's really enjoyable. I always find it's um, it is rewarding when you do kind of have those experiences where you can actually kind of interact with your animals. It makes it that little bit more precious. Like I know I've got a few animals that were really cryptic, and now they're not so cryptic. Like they're just way more trusting yeah. of me, and they'll they'll come out, they'll hang closer to your hand, or come up and sniff yeah. your hand, or something like that. You know, that is sometimes it takes years, but you know, yeah, they get there. Yeah, it does. It does. And and like I say, I mean. You know, I bred a Kimbo last year who, you know, she was, you know, really flighty and a bit of a pain in the ass, to be honest, as a captive. You know, she'd do a buck sixty around the cage in about five seconds, you know. Mm. Now she lets me chin rubber, scratch her. And she's going to be, I can tell she's got the makings of being a fantastic animal. Yeah. You know? Oh, so excellent. it definitely definitely rejuvenates, but it also makes me want to do more too, mate. It makes me want to, you know, like I'm already planning. So the next time I go to the West, I'm going to the Pilbara. I'm going to go do yeah. the Pilbara. And I'm also looking at doing like far north Queensland as well because I'm a desert person. I love the desert. Like, you know, that's me. The desert, I'm yeah. just desert. But 
I want to go to the rainforest just to, yeah, just to see some cool shit. To sweat out your ring hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. That'll, uh, yeah, that'll be a bit different, that's for sure. Yep. That, that's the one thing I, uh, I do like the desert for the lack of humidity. Yep. <laughs> so that's quite nice is to kind of get away from that sometimes. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it is nice to, to kind of go out and see these critters in the wild though, like, yeah, I just remember my mind just absolutely churning when I saw that wild gill and I climbed, you know, eight, nine, ten foot up in that tree like it was nothing. And yet here we are keeping them in three to four high, four foot high boxes. I was like, man, you know, like obviously, as you say, you know, you can't always do those sorts of maximums and stuff, but if you can do more than what you're doing now, then why not? Yeah, always. And, you know, the one of the best experiences I had in WA besides spending the time with some really good mates and, and my lad and, you know, letting him see, you know, part of the world he's probably never going to see, you know, mm. um, was we found this young cordo eating a grasshopper and the oh. grasshopper was as big as the cordo and we <laughs> just sat there and we watched him eat it and we, I filmed it. I'll send you the video. I posted it on my story, but that that just made the trip. You know, that and, and, you know, finding depressive babies from this yeah. year that, you know, are, you know, sort of four centimetres. Tiny little things. Yeah, yeah, tiny as. But robust as all hell. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that just, just makes it so worthwhile. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, nobody's chasing around these lizards and uh, telling them to eat something in between their eyeball size either out there, are they? Nah, nah. The, this thing had this thing had a battle on his hands, and it was it was just yeah, it was awesome to watch. You know, it was pretty cool. It was just one of them things where we we just stumbled across it. Actually, Tyler stumbled across it, and then called us over to have a look at it, and we were all just blown away by you know one you know his ambitions to get it down. Good good job, mate. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. He, you know, and he would have had to catch it on the wing as well, I'm guessing, because it was a good good effort for a little goanna. Jeez. What the hell? It, it is cool when you see stuff like that. Like, like I was telling you earlier, we, we found a, um, a baby centralian blue tongue that was, like, munging down on a, a fat-tailed gecko. And, you know, the gecko was about half its size at least. But yeah, yep. kind of interrupted his meal, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, that that generally is, and that was our fear as well. You know, we were sort of looking at him, going, "Oh, I hope he doesn't spit it out." The little bugger's probably starving, you know. Yeah, but no, he he just disappeared into the crack with it. And once he got it, you know, a fair way down, and was going to finish it in the tree. So good on him. <laughs> Solid effort. Yep. So. Uh, last time you run, we kind of really briefly touched on how you catch some insects for your AMA that you had. Yep. Um, yep. And what were you actually using? Was it like a, a mozzie light or something like that that you were catching moths or something with? Yeah, so m- most of the time on a warm night, you just leave your front porch light on and see what pops up. But um, then you can get creative and you can use like a, like a really powered like candle light and you where you hang your washing up, you put a white sheet up and then wrap it around the light and put a bucket down there, we'll put the light in the bucket and most of the bugs hit the sheet and fall down into the bucket and you'd be surprised that, like I said to you before, the bug bug world is is just 
It blows my mind. Like I had zero interest in bugs five years ago. In fact, I was just like, nah, I'm not doing that. Get it away from me, you know. Um, but I have such a new appreciation for the bug world. It is, you know, it is crazy to think of some of the stuff. And, like, you know, of a night time, you know, a warm night, you get prey manises and, you know, you know, moths and, and all sorts of, you know, flying insects landing in the bucket where the light is. And, mm. you know, like I'm not opposed to feeding this stuff to your animals. Like I'm, I'm well aware of, you know, a lot of these insects have, you know, gut parasitic loads and stuff like that. You know, you can worm your animals to counteract that. But they, these reptiles have been eating this shit forever and a day. And, you know, I know that, you know, having beady dragons outside in pits, for so many years and, and blue tongues and stuff like that. And, you know, you'll go down to the pit one day and there'll be a beady chewing on a prey manis or something that's landed in the cage, you know, a big moth or something like that. And they're fine. They're absolutely fine. So I'm a firm believer in, and, you know, there's a lot of people that have been in the hobby for a long time, like Danny Brown and people like that that have been doing this for, you know, years and feeding whatever they can find. And I just think it's, such a good food item to give your animals variety and a bit of, you know, natural prey source. So, so yeah, I was I was stoked with doing it. And the AMIA, I used to watch them. You know, you get a big moth, and they just go nuts for it. Like they literally go full blown ninja style. And and like I had a bit of a rocky outcrop in one side of the cage, and I had a few like flat slate tiles wedged in there, so it couldn't come down on them and that and. Yeah, you just get a new appreciation for watching your animals. Yeah, I think it's something that I really want to try this spring is to kind of, kind of, kind of put together like a few bug catchers per se, just to try to see if I can kind of you know add it, even if it's just for geckos or something small, you know, just to add variety back into there. And, you know, if it doesn't cost yep. you anything, it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, well, that, that's the beauty of it. I mean, the fact that you can just you know go outside and do it even in suburbia and get moths and stuff like that, you, mm. you're doing all right. And, you know, I, I kind of understand where, you know, everyone's at, but like I started this grasshopper journey by going and getting grasshoppers and feeding them to my reptiles to see what would happen, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I just seen the benefits, you know, just in, you know, just in like shitty feeders having great appetites. Like to me, I was sold just after that. I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is the way of the future. Um, and to be honest, you know, nothing against, you know, crickets or, or woodies or anything like that. But, yeah, they're just – to me it was just like they don't smell, they don't make noise. And even the bugs that you catch, you know, on a Friday night under the torchlight on a sheet, you know, you don't need every bug that's in there. But, you know, when you've got beady dragons, you, you pretty much make sure every bug goes in their cage that you don't want to feed off because they'll eat it. They don't care. Yeah. Um, and you know, it just it made sense. It really did. It made sense. But what I I noticed that with the Amia and the geckos, and you know, I bred geckos in tubs for you know fifteen years, fifteen whole years. I just got to a point where I didn't enjoy it anymore. Like yeah. I just didn't enjoy it. I I felt like for me as a person that I was going another way. Mm. You know. Also. It's, it's all learning and development, right? Like we all find, kind of find that niche or whatever we want to fit into or what we enjoy. And like for me, you know, I, I had racks and stuff for years and I just found that, you know, it was just a bit boring keeping an animal in there that you never see. 
Yeah, so. the, the other side of it is as well is when I was a kid, you know, back before the permit days and before I knew what the law was, you know, as a kid, 10 years old, running around catching lizards in the bush, you'd come home and try to replicate the bush in their cage every time, yeah. every yeah. time. I mean, I, I think we got, you know, a little bit Americanized by, you know, like the ball python industries and stuff like that, and, you know, we brought it across to Australia with the carpets and, you know, and Anna Teresa and, I'll say Anna Teresa are pretty good tub counterparts because the fuckers get out of everything. They really do. Um, but, you know, even my carpets, you know, they're in enclosures now. Yeah. You know, they're in enclosures. They've got logs, branches. They can get over shit. You know, you get a bit more muscle control and tone back. So it's just, you know, it's just uh, just changing a little bit. Going back yeah. to the basics. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes Mother Nature does that best. She does. She does. She, she, she yeah. always does. She she balances her populations, you know, when time of plenty, everything breeds. So, yeah, yeah she she basically got it worked out. We just need to replicate that. That's it. Well, mate, on that note, we might leave it there for, for tonight's chat. It was awesome catching up with you. It was awesome really? to hear a bit more about the um, – the hopper side of things and, and, you know, hearing the fact that that's going gangbusters for you, that's uh, all positives. Yeah, it can only go up from here. I want to, I just, I do want to just say a big thanks to yourself for that YouTube video. Um, I was absolutely smashed the week after it was like ridiculous. Um, I do appreciate it. Um, You know, a massive shout out to all my customers and, and all my wonderful people out there in the reptile community that do back me. Um, my plan is that if I can grow this the way I want to grow it, then I would be keen on maybe getting to expos with it as well. You know, um, I'd have to work out how that works. You know, a lot of moving parts, but I'm pretty sure I could at least try get to one at least and see how we go. Yeah, well, I mean, well, probably Victoria would be the best bet for you. Do you guys have one down there in SA? Nah, nah, it went away a couple of years ago and it's sort of never come back. So I'd probably try hit like Penrith, I reckon. Yeah. Probably try, probably try to get to one of them. Yeah, we could. Oh, it would be even better, <laughs> better locally for me. Um, Victoria would be another good one because seeing what they've got down there, that was a pretty big expo that they've just had. So Yeah, but they usually do it the day after Penrith. Don't they? That's when they usually yeah. it's like you have Penrith and then the VHS the next day, and that's kind of like really shitty scheduling, you know, for for the reptile hobby in general. Even if you want to stall it both and you're interstates, bit of a logistical nightmare. So um, we'll see, you know, what dates line up. I know the expos have only just come back this year after COVID and being away for so long. And I'll say to people that if you can get there and support them, then definitely go there. You know, a lot of people and organisers put their time into this to, you know, create a better hobby and, and showcase our animals. So we should definitely be trying to support them. Oh, 100%. And, um, I've been to one. I'm hoping to get to a second one this year. And, um, yeah, Miss Penrith, unfortunately. I was just too busy. You should be doing a podcast from one in your own booth. That's what you should be doing. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's kind of a bit of a... Logistical a nightmare. A, yeah. It could be it could be hard because there's so many people that want to talk to you. Um, yep. Audio can be hard too. I know that there was 
uh, I think there was possibilities from one of the ones that we went to to be able to do it in like a separate room, kind of to be able to take people away and, and have a bit of a chat and stuff. It's it's something Jason and I really want to do. It's just yep. time, time and organisation. Yeah. No, I get it, man. I get it. And, you know, like I, I, I just want to thank you both for obviously having me on and I appreciate it. And like I say, this is the best Aussie podcast out. So everyone get behind it oh, and man. have a listen. You're welcome back anytime, mate. We always appreciate the support too. I think that's what this hobby needs is just more people supporting each other and bringing everybody else up, you know, like it's move away from the negativity of it all and, yeah, I don't know. Positive is good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, most definitely. And I mean, like, you know, these platforms are all growing. You know, people are, you know, you know people are going viral every other day on every other platform. Um you know, if you can use that for good, then you've done a good job. It's, it's just that simple. I mean, I, I reach out to people all the time, you know, like all the time and, you know, help them out with their monitors or, you know, whatever it is. If I've bred it, generally I've got a bit of a clue. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I'd say I've got a bit of a clue on, you know, what you're potentially not doing right and what you need to change. And, you know, I've messaged heaps of people off Instagram after seeing their posts and saying, hey, man, maybe you should try this. You know, you, mm. you didn't have a great season. Just just tweak it a little bit. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the knee-jerk reaction, a lot of people just, you know, if they have a shit season, they just change everything. And sometimes mm. that's way too much for a reptile to, to sort of adapt to. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know, and, and, and and people got to understand as well that, you know, you, when you're buying breeding animals or ex-breeders from someone else, you know, they've probably changed hands a couple of times and they need a little bit of time to settle in before you're going to, you know, actually do well with them. Yeah, that's a big one, I reckon. Most definitely. Like I, I've seen that many, you know, Ridgetail monitors over the years, you know, go through, you know, three pairs of hands in 12 months and then, you know, Joe Blow ends up with them and it's like, oh, it's not doing any well and, you know, if you keep the animal for, you know, 12 months to two years, generally you can refine them back and get them going. Yeah. Yeah, that goes along, along, along a lot of species. Like I know, you know, Gillen seem to be a bit, bit of a craze at the moment and ebbs and flows there. But, yeah, so I've seen heaps of people buy them and sell them within that kind of like 24-month period because they haven't turned out a clutch. I was like, they were they were way more painful for me to learn how to breed than Tristus or Ackies or Ories or anything like that. They were way yep. more hard. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people buy these animals and you know rip them up as quickly as they can, expecting you know to to do well with them as well. And you know when you when you actually have a look at their cages and the requirements that they they're giving their animals, like you know you might be meeting the animals' requirements on two levels, but the third one, whether it be feed, lighting, housing, you know, just hollows, whatever it is, mm. you know, you really have to. I, I just I just challenge everyone to you know, with their reptiles to do better. You know, like my, my brevi cages are pretty simple um, and they work. Like they work. They've got enough space. You know, they're only, you know, 10 to 12 centimetres long and they've literally got a football field they can run up and run down. And they do, you know, 300 times a day. Um, mm. And every now and then I'll put something else in there or even drop, you know, a spare male in there just to – you see they scent mark, brevi scent mark, so the males yeah. will just – rub their ass all over the tile and all over the, you know, like, and then you put another brevi in an hour later and they just go fucking nuts. And it's, you know, enrichment, you know, like you did with your gum leaves, putting your gum leaves in, eucalyptus smell, you know, yeah. just stuff like that. It's just 
don't have to do it every day, but it does make a huge difference to how we keep these animals going forward. And, you know, like I was like yourself, I got to a point where tub racks, I was just like, you know, you know, like why breed, you know, a crazy looking blue tongue and then stick it in a cage you're never going to see. So, you know, I learnt my lesson. I did it for years and did well with it. And, you know, everybody else will, you know, have to find their own path. I get it. But yeah, I just I'm I'm really happy with some of the enclosures I'm seeing. You know, some of the guys building enclosures nowadays, and some of the stuff that's going to be more accessible over the next twelve months to two years. You know, new businesses popping up. You know, Doc Merton Habitats at Home, and you know, a couple of the other enclosure builders. I've seen some crazy. You know, I've even seen Sydney Reptiles pump out some cracker cages with backgrounds and stuff like that in them. And you know, there's a list that goes on and. You know, I want to say everyone, but I think that, yeah, we need to just just change it up a little bit and, and go back to not trying to keep a 1,000 animals but keep 10 really good ones and keep them well. Yeah. And downsizing the collection that I've got here is the best thing I ever did. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still doing it now. Like, I'd be happy with, you know, like the, obviously the carpets will go at the end of the season and, you know, I'll go down to probably – you know, probably eight Anna Theresia, which to me is perfect. It's a perfect number, maybe ten, and that's that's it. I don't I don't need any more than that. Um, I'll, I'll probably even reach out to Tyson for the the Anna Theresia cage. I, I've got an idea where I think you can keep the bastards in, but they will <laughs> find a way. Like I'm no I'm no doubt they will find a way. Um, and and for small monitor babies, like. You know, I know people just use tubs with overhead lighting and it works. It works a treat, you know, just to grow them, get them going and stuff like that. But yep. the reptile the reptile one cages for small monitors, the swing doors, yep. they are fucking sensational. They are yeah. cheap, they are easy, and they are sensational. Like you literally can pick one up for about 250 bucks, and you can keep small monitors in it for three months that you don't even have to worry about. Yeah. I mean, I've still got, um, still got, uh, raise out Gillens from last year in 45 by 45 by 60, et cetera. Yeah, well, there you go. There you, you know, go. That's the same. So, you can get those in the reptile ones as well with that same sort of size. And yeah, yeah. As long as they're not growing too quick or anything like that, then they're fine. Man. Yeah, well, like, like I say, I mean, it's just that first, I find that with, you know, small monitors, that first couple of weeks is really, really important, you know? Oh, yeah. With every species, like that's where it can go horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like Anna Theresia. You know, the babies—they're tiny. They live in tubs. They—they they generally do pretty good. Like I'm not going to lie, mm. they do pretty amazing. And, and baby carpets are the same. And then as soon as you stick them in an enclosure, they freak out and go off food. And you're like, "Fuck! What have I done?" <laughs> you know, and yeah. then yeah, then you then you. You know, because it's always the same, man. It's always the same. So, yeah, look, I, I'm doing better. I'm cutting back again. I'll probably get rid of 90% of my outdoor cages as well this year and run even less animals. And that's just a time thing for me. You know, like with the grasshoppers doing what they do, I don't actually have as much time to go out and tend to everything. And, you know, with my job and that, it's, it's getting a bit harder. So, um, you know, it's a necessary sacrifice I have to make, but I've got a lot of good friends that all put their hands up for a heap of blue tongues the other day, so it's going to make my life very easy. At least there's no stress about getting rid of them either if you've got mates with them now. 
Yeah, that's, and like you know, these are pretty nice blueies as well. But they're you know the people that I know are fairly local, so it's just like see how you go. You know what I mean? Like just see how yeah. you go. As long as they're being fed, they're being looked after, and like the cages will probably go with them as well because you know like they're easy. So see how they go. Oh, good stuff. Alrighty, mate. I'm going to wrap it up here because I do, do have easy, to mate. head off to bed. But, um, mate, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Did you yeah, want to just throw right. out any any sort of information as to where people can find you? Nah, just yeah, just all I'll say is if you want hoppers, hit me on Frizzy's Hoppers. I'm trying to decanter the traffic from Frizzy's Reptiles to Frizzy's Hoppers just to save confusion because I have missed the odd order there that goes through the you know you get an inbox a general and a on the on the Frizzy's reptile account so please if you want hoppers message me on Frizzy's hoppers on instagram please awesome Alrighty, guys so we'd like to say a massive thank you to eric and owen and the rest of the npr crew for having us if you'd like to contact them it's best to find them at moreliapythonradio.com and email them at info at moreliapythonradio.com make sure to follow the npr network on facebook instagram and youtube as far as contacting us on our social media platforms, you can email us at australianherptoculture at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. To see more of what Jason is doing, make sure to follow him on Facebook and Instagram at The Gecko Effect. And for myself, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon and Teespring under Beach of Scaly Beasts. We hope to have you back next time for another episode of the Australian Herptoculture Podcast. Good night, everyone. <laughs>